You just don't think when your child is small that in just a few years it's going to be completely different. And you look back and say, where did that time go? It goes by fast. In preparing for today's show, in looking up the statistics, according to the Center for Disease Control, a dog bites a person every 75 seconds. That's about 5 million dog bites every year in the United States. And I'm telling you, that is a low estimate. Uh, The majority of dog bite victims, unfortunately, happen to be children. 77% of bites to children occur by a family dog or a friend's dog. That might surprise you. It's not usually a stray dog or a stranger's dog that's biting your kids. It's either your dog, mostly, or another friend's dog, a dog that they are very familiar with. Now, 80% of dog bites to children happen at home. 80% of dog bites to children happen at home. There's a problem at home with your kids and your dogs, folks. And that's what today's show is about. Dog bites are the second most frequent cause of emergency room visits for children. Children are much more likely to be severely injured and need medical attention. In fact, each day, over 1,000 children need emergency medical care to treat a severe dog bite. Wow. Let me say that again. Let that really sink in. Grasp this. Each day, over 1,000 children need emergency medical care to treat a severe dog bite. And children between the ages of 5 and 9, those kids between 5 and 9, they're at the greatest risk of getting bit. Wow. Well, we still have a lot of work to do. So, let's get started. Raised by wolves with canine DNA in his blood. Having trained more than 24,000 vets. Helping you and your fur babies thrive. Live in studio, it's Pet Talk Today with Will Bangura. Answering your pet behavior and training questions. Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome your host and favorite pet behavior expert, Will Bangura. Good Saturday morning, pet lovers, and perhaps mamas-to-be. I'm Will Bangura. And I'm Jordan Marstow. And you are listening to Pet Talk Today here on Facebook Live on the Pet Talk Today page. If you're brand new to Pet Talk Today, let me talk a little bit about what we do. We're here each and every Saturday morning at 12 noon to 1 p.m., Eastern Time, that's 9 a.m. to 10 a.m. Pacific Time, each and every Saturday morning, where we help you with your dog training and behavior problems. Some shows are completely dedicated to Q&A, where we take your calls, we answer your questions, you put your questions, you type them into the comments section, and we take calls and we answer those. There are other shows like today where we've got a very specific topic that we're going to be covering. And today's show is probably the most important show that um, we do ever. And that is how do you prepare your dog for a new baby coming home? How How do you do that? And 
what is your, you know, maybe you've got some concerns about your dog and maybe you've got an aggressive dog. Maybe you've got a fearful dog. Maybe you've got a dog with anxiety. Maybe you just got a happy-go-lucky dog. We're going to be talking about all of that. But do us a favor before we get started. Hit that like button for us. Hit that heart button for us. Show us some love. Let us know that you're there. And do us another favor. Go ahead and share. Hit that share button. Share this video. Not everybody can afford private in-home training. That's why we do this. We want to make sure that as many people as possible get this information. So please hit that share button. Please hit your like button. Um, do us also a favor in the comment section. Could you please type in where you are watching from, where you're listening from. We love to know where our viewers are. Now, if you've got a question about preparing your dog for a baby, I want you to hold your questions. Yes. We are going to be going through a ton of information, and chances are we're going to be answering those questions in the information Absolutely. that Absolutely. we're going to provide you with. Now, there might be questions that we don't cover. Right. Don't worry. Go ahead and put those questions in the comment section if we don't cover it, and we will either respond by writing after the show, or we will respond during the show to your question. So I yeah. want you to know that uh, that we're going to get there. Yeah. Um, the first thing we need to talk about is, hey, if you have an aggressive dog, if you yeah. have a fearful dog, if you have a dog with anxiety, you need to contact a trainer, a behavior consultant who specializes in aggression, fears, and phobias right away. Absolutely. And, you know, before before we jump into the meat and potatoes of today, Will, yeah. I firstly just want to, once again, thank all of our viewers. Today, we have such a huge turnout. I have already gotten so many comments of people, women that are pregnant with their first child, fathers that have wives or girlfriends who are pregnant with their first, second, or third child. And we have so many people that are looking forward to this show. And it, I can see it here in the comments. And please, 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 please keep the love up. Keep sending us those likes. Keep commenting where you're from. We've got Florida. We've got Lafayette, Louisiana. We've got Washington, El Paso, Poughkeepsie, New York. Well, guess what? P -p 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 Poughkeepsie. That's where my family's from is from oh, Poughkeepsie. Hello, okay. everybody. We've got people from California, Pennsylvania, all over the place. Thank you, guys. We are doing this for you. And like Will said, this is arguably the most important thing that we can put out there. And please be patient with us. We are we have a lot of stuff we're going to go over today, and we will most likely cover your questions. Absolutely. And uh, we might go over the hour. And if you can't stay with us for the entire hour, no worries. This video is going to be staying on the page. You can come back to it at any time. And again, you can share this video with people. If they can't uh, be with us today, they can watch it at another time. Absolutely. One of the most <clears throat> excuse me, important things we need to talk about is you need to start early, 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 early. Okay. Um, at a minimum, you need to start three months before three months. I agree. Your baby is due. Now, some of you might be saying, oh, no, my baby's due next week. Well, well, we're going to go through the information, but just know that you need to start early. Um, when at Phoenix Dog Training, our company, when we're working with somebody to prep them, prep their dog for a newborn baby, we're working with them three, four, five, six months. Yeah, okay? absolutely. Now, one of the most important things that dogs need is predictability. Routine. Dogs love to know what's expected. And when you get a new baby, when you have a new baby coming into the home, that routine 
that predictability gets turned upside down. And Absolutely. that's the first thing that, that causes a lot of stress. And, 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 you know, what's crazy is you need to do your best. Everything you can. I know, especially for you first time parents, I have a four year old and well, I have two four year olds. And let me tell you, it is insane the way that your life changes after a baby is brought in. But every change that is made to your dog's routine that changes the moment that your baby shows up, your dog is going to pair with that baby. When we talk about predictability and routine, yeah, one of the things that you need to do if you have a baby coming is you need to, well in advance of the baby coming, you need to live your life as if the baby's there. Absolutely. You need to spend a couple months pretending to be parents with the baby. Absolutely. For your dog's well-being and for your dog to get used to it. It takes a normal, healthy, normal, healthy dog, a dog without fears, phobias, aggression, about two to three months to get used to something new coming into the home, especially when we're talking about an infant. Okay. It takes time. Those first two to three months that the baby comes home, those first two to three months, I have a rule that the dog and the baby do not have contact. Yeah, bare minimum, bare minimum. And they, they got to stay, the dog needs to stay an arm's arm length away from the baby for the first two to three months because the dog needs to get used to this new thing in the home. New smells, new sounds, new item. Let's talk about- Babies screaming, screaming. and crying. They sa- and here's the thing, you could have the sweetest, most caring, most loving dog. But there is something that is built into every dog's psyche, and that is prey drive. All dogs are prey driven to some extent, some more than others. And a crying baby. Sounds like wounded prey. Sounds very familiar to wounded prey. Exactly. And it can get a lot of dogs really, really nervous, really, really anxious. And where you might not have seen anxiety, fear, phobias, or aggression with your dog, all of a sudden the baby starts crying. You may start to see that. Exactly. So one of the first things that you need to do is you need to desensitize your dog, get your dog used to, and be calm with baby sounds, the sound now, of your baby crying, the sound of your baby laughing, the sound of your baby cooing. And to do that, you don't have to have a real baby because at Phoenix Dog Training, we have recorded sounds. In fact, I'm about to put the link to that in the comments right now. That is phoenixdogtraining.com forward slash sounds. Yes, phoenixdogtraining.com forward slash sounds. There's three videos with baby sounds. Again, one is for crying. It's an hour long. The other one is laughing an hour long. And the third one is cooing. That's an hour long. And what you want to begin to do right away is start playing those at extremely low volumes. Now, the volume that you need to start that at, you need to watch your dog and understand their body language. If your dog has any care, any concern, any worry at the volume you're playing it at, it's too loud. Yeah. You need to bring it down. The whole idea is we want the dog to have a good experience. We want a parent association with these baby sounds being positive. So what we have you do, well, I'm going to let Jordan talk about it. How do you take Absolutely. the baby sounds... And what is the process 
that they need to do in order to get the dog calm, relaxed, and used to those sounds. Absolutely, absolutely. So the first thing that I want to add as well is start researching a little bit on canine body language. That is going to be very important in this process. Now, after you have an understanding of canine body language, you're going to teach your dog a place command. Let's say you don't have that much time and you can't teach your dog a place command. That's fine. This will just make it a little bit more It'll, it'll make it a little bit more effective if your dog can remain on a place. Let's just assume they yeah, can. Let's just assume they can. Let's so assume that they just okay. have the dog with we them. We just have the dog. So what you're going to do is you're going to take your Bluetooth speaker, any Bluetooth speaker, put it in the room. But the a, bigger, the, the, like if yeah. you have surround sound. Yeah. Because again, uh, the more lifelike it sounds, the better. So when you're using a sound system for yeah. this, you want to make sure that it is not like your smartphone right. or something like that. Right. That's not going to sound like your exactly. baby. Exactly. Now... Before you start your training session, you get those sounds pulled up. Remember, phoenixdogtraining.com forward slash sounds. Before you get those videos pulled up, prepare a lot. And I mean a lot of high value food rewards, chicken, steak, hot dogs, things like this. Now, how much of that should they have and what size should it be? These should be, you should have, I would say at least a baggie full, like a little sandwich bag filled with this full. Okay. And each piece, two or three should fit on the head of a nickel. So each, so each individual piece of, yeah. say, cooked chicken or beef, maybe the size of a pea. Exactly. About the size of a pea. Really small. Yep. Now, you are going to then at low volumes. Maybe let's just, let's just throw it a number. At volume five. How about maybe volume two? Volume one even. Yeah. You're going to press play. The moment that you press play on that sound, you will start rapidly feed, 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 feed for five to 15 seconds. So the whole time... From the start of the sound of the baby sounds, immediately when the dog hears the sound, they start feeding. They start feeding. Fast, continuously, and constantly. There should be no break of food. No break of food. And the whole time they're feeding, the dog's hearing the baby sounds. Exactly. Then what happens? Then you press pause. And at the same time, within half a second of the pause, you stop feeding. And then you wait another 5 to 15 seconds of silence and no feeding. Okay. And then you do it again. Press play. Feed, 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 feed. Five to 15 seconds. Constantly and continuously while the baby sounds are playing. And then you're going to press pause and stop feeding. Now, how long do you do this for? Five to 15 minutes is one training session. I recommend minimum one time a day, three to five times a week. Or you can do it multiple times a day every single day. Yeah. The, the more, more you the do better. it, the quicker it's going to happen. Absolutely. Um, and if let's, let me just say this, if you've got a baby coming right around the corner, yeah. you're ready to pop, start doing this exercise immediately, start doing this. And I'll tell you what will work even faster. Um, have your dog earn all of its meals by doing this don't Absolutely. feed in the food bowl that's if you've got a baby coming really quick have the dog earn all of its meal by desensitizing to the baby sounds Absolutely. so you won't put the food in the food bowl you're going to put if, if you feed two cups in the morning you're going to put two cups of the dog's food in a treat pouch absolutely and you'll just do the same thing that jordan was saying for the counter conditioning a desensitization the goal here is to take something that might be scary, the sound of the baby, and pair that with something very 
positive. The dogs learn by association and we want the dog to be conditioned. And this takes lots of repetition that, hey, the baby represents wonderful things because I get great high value food rewards when the baby makes those sounds. Okay. So that's one of the first things that you're going to want to do. Now, remember, I said you need to well in advance start living as if you have a baby. What are some of the things, what are some of the equipment, Jordan, that they need? Now, these are things that you're going to need for your baby anyway. Absolutely. We're just telling you, hey, let's make sure we get these right. soon and let's start role playing that we're mom and dad and yeah. we've got a baby with Go a dog. Go get yourself a fake baby for one. Get yourself a fake baby. The more realistic, the better. If it's something that makes sounds, that's also fantastic. If not, we have a Bluetooth speaker that we've already implemented here. So you're going to get that fake baby. Start pretending that this baby is doing certain things. Like I'm changing the baby. I'm going into the baby's room to get the baby. I'm carrying the baby around. I'm feeding the baby. I'm dropping baby toys on the ground, bottles, um, diapers. I'm dropping pacifiers, all these things. And this is we're going to get into what you're doing with all of these things. And you're also going to collect up all of your baby items as well. Your swaddles, your pillows, your pacifiers, your bottles, your toys toys, your everything, your hats, your clothes, start getting all of this stuff ready. You don't have to have 100% of everything, but at least a decent amount of the things that belong to the baby that at any point for whatever reason can end up on the ground. And let me tell you something, Will, and I know you know this, there are things that you're like, no, 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 this will, there's no way this will ever end up on the ground. Everything ends everything up on the ends ground. Up on the ground, and everything on the ground ends up in your dog's mouth ends when up it's in your new. dog's mouth. And let's talk about that. This is not even just a let's keep it away from the dog so he's not ripping things up. There are specifically two things that live in a dog's mouth that are completely healthy for dogs, absolutely healthy for dogs, but for humans, it causes parasitic infections. And if your baby gets that, you are going to have to get your child's stomach pumped. Another good reason. The first two to three months, keeping your dog an arm's length distance away from the baby. Absolutely. Okay? Now, let's talk about the fact that when you actually bring the baby home, the baby's going to most likely be in a onesie. Yep. It may even have one of those little knit caps on yep. its head. All right. It's going to have a diaper on. Yep. Okay. All of that has a scent to it. Absolutely. The diaper has a particular scent. And Elena over here actually just uh, asked a question that relates to what we're about to talk about here. She says that she was told bringing a blanket home before the baby comes helps with getting used to their sound. And that's something oops, that is well, something we're not only to, you can you can you can get your dogs used to the smell of the baby well before the baby comes. Absolutely. And they say, hey, I don't have a baby. How do we duplicate yeah. that scent? Well, here's the thing. Your baby, when it comes home is a menagerie of scents. Imagine that we have ingredients in a stew. Well, the scent of your baby also has ingredients. It's the baby. Absolutely. It's lotion that you maybe put on the baby. It's baby powder that you might have put on the baby. It's a particular diaper that you may have put on the baby. It's a onesie. It's the scent of the laundry detergent. Oh, I know it says that it's unscented because we need that for the babies. It's got a scent for the dog. Right. Absolutely. So each one of those things has its own particular smell. Now, with that 
ingredients list, yeah. only one of the ingredients is the actual baby. Right. The majority of the ingredients are not the baby. Absolutely. We can start to pair those ingredients, the diaper, the smell of that, the smell of the onesie, the smell of the detergent that the onesie was um, you know, washed in. Absolutely. Baby powder, lotion. We can put all this on the fake baby. And now we've got a dog that is getting used to all of those scents. Absolutely. Well in advance of the baby. Now, when the baby does come, right. then that after that first day, yeah, you're going to take a blanket that was wrapped in the baby and you're going to bring that in, in into fact, the home. Well, in fact, this is what I tell all of my clients to do. I say, get yourself three blankets that you don't really care about. And then as soon as the baby is born, I want you to put all three of those blankets into the little bassinet or wrap it or swaddle your baby in it while he's in the hospital. Most mothers have to stay in the hospital minimum of 24 hours minimum. Typically, yeah, no. Um, and sometimes it's as long as three plus days, just depending on what happened. Sure. So you are going to take those scents, dad, sometimes you're going to have to leave the hospital or somebody else is going to have to leave the hospital. And somebody is watching your dog during this time period, I would assume. And what you're going to do is you're going to take those blankets one at a time and you're going to put them into the dog's areas, like put it into the dog's kennel with him, put it into the dog's bed with him. Now, when these scents are introduced to him simultaneously or her, you may have a female dog. Let's not gender impose here. Um, you're going to start feed, 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 just like with the sounds and start getting your dog used to those scents after about a day or so. Switch it out with one of those other so three let's, blankets. You know, we do this every day. It's very clear in our mind. Let's paint yeah. a, a more clear picture for everybody that's watching and listening. Absolutely. Go through that process. Okay. So now we have the blankets. We have the blankets that have my baby scent on it. And I'm going to come home and I, I'm going to put my dog on leash just so that he can't get away from me. Now that my dog is on leash, I have a big old sandwich baggie filled to the brim with high value food reward. I'm then going to take out this blanket and present it to my dog. Allow my dog to sniff the blanket. As soon as he sniffs, feed, 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 lots of food. Rep continuously feed, 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 feed. Take the blanket away. Stop feeding. Put the blanket back. Let him sniff. Feed, 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 feed. And we will do this over and over for about five to 15 minutes. And then additionally, just go ahead and leave those blankets in areas that your dog is going to be spending time. Now, I want you not only to just do that with a blanket that was wrapped around the baby in the hospital, but like I said, well in advance, well before the baby is born, you launder in the type of detergent, laundry detergent, that you're going to be washing your baby's onesies and blankets and clothes, and you have a onesie, and you have a blanket, and you have baby socks, and you launder those, and you put that on the fake baby. You put the baby lotion on the fake baby. Yes. You put the baby this powder yes. in the diaper. You put the diaper on, okay? And you do the same thing. You present that to the dog. Yeah. The dog smells it. You feed, 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 feed constantly and continuously while the dog is smelling it. Then you take the baby away. Absolutely. And then you present it again for the dog to smell as a dog smelling, feed, yeah. feed, feed constantly and continuously with those high value food rewards for about two, three, four, five seconds. Then stop for about five seconds. 
and repeat that. And you're going to do that for about 5 to 15 minutes. That's how long a session is. And you need to do that at least three to five times a week, at least once a day, three to five times a week. You can do it more. If you do it more, it goes quicker. Now, here's a question that I think we should address right here. Okay. Danielle asks... Where's Danielle from? Did she um, tell yeah, us? Danielle, where are you from? Let us know in the comments below. But Danielle asks, if I have multiple dogs, mm-hmm. do I do these counter conditioning sessions at the same time or should that I do each dog individually? A great question. You're going to do each dog individually. You cannot feed two dogs at the same time. Well, maybe if you're really good with two hands, but you can't do three unless you, you know, use your feet like a hand and you're, you're multi-talented there. But yeah, you're going to do one dog at a time. And, Absolutely. you know, you can just do it. And, and when you're doing one dog, don't have the other dog watching. Yeah. Absolutely. Okay. Cause the other dog's like, how come I'm not getting food? Right, right. Right. And guess what happens? The other dog that if the dog, if one dog is watching you do this exercise with one of your other dogs, what's going to happen to the other dog is the dog's going to create an association. All that baby stuff. I don't get food negative rewards for food. Re- the other dog does. Marker. I'm not getting yeah. any food rewards. So now all of a sudden the dog starts viewing that baby as something negative. Okay. So make sure that when you do this one dog at a time that the dogs, yeah. the other dogs aren't watching what's going on, but yeah, you got to do it with each dog separately. Now, here's another one that I think is very important. I know that we said that we're going no, to, but if they're, if they're they good, are. we're going to, exactly. we're going to answer them right now. Exactly. So D, um, I think D says that they are from, Oh, they didn't say, but, uh, D says, should we start practicing this as soon as they know that they're having a baby Absolutely. or when they're trying to have a baby. Here's well, the thing. If you're trying, yeah. it's never too early. It's never too early to start, but... I say wait till you get pregnant. Because here's the pregnant. thing. Nine once, months is plenty of time. Yeah, you've got nine months once you're pregnant. But hey, um, don't wait too long. Because right. again, time goes by very quick. And next thing you know, you're yep. out of time. And then Leah, and Leah is from... Leah, tell us down below where you're from. And this question is getting a lot of likes and a lot of people are actually commenting okay. on it. <coughs> she says that her dog always is always on her lap and co-sleeps with her husband and with her and her husband. Mm. She's worried that he's going Mm. to be resentful being Mm. forced to stay away from me. Well, here's the thing right now. And and I want everybody to hear this. Okay. One of the biggest rules when you're going to have a baby is you need to teach your dogs that all furniture is off limits. Yeah. All furniture is off limits. Your bedroom, your bedroom is off limits. Absolutely. And the nursery is off limits. Start that now before the baby gets there. Because exactly. again, the dog will pair this new thing with this new routine. That's why you start the routine minimum three months. But if you don't have three months and somebody actually also asked that question, um, she said that she's giving birth at a birth center. So she'll be home hours after her baby is born. So how is she supposed to do the whole scent desensitization? Well, remember, remember. Two to three months. Your dog is not supposed to interact with your baby either way. And it's going to smell the baby. And you will still be able to do the exact same process with a fake baby while you're already home with your newborn. Yeah. And, And that scent of your baby, we want, first of all, why we say keep your dog an arm's length away from the baby for the first two to three months. One, we want to know how the dog's going to react. We don't know. You know, you think you know your dog? Let me tell you, every baby that's been mauled by their family dog, the owners never thought it would happen. 
You know, you know what's crazy? Let's talk about that. Did you know that the CDC states that by the age of 12, 50% of all children in the United States have been attacked by their family dog so, or another dog? So, listen, how many people we have right now that are watching? We currently have 152 viewers. So, out of 152 viewers, okay, 76 of you, your kid's going to get bit before the age of 12. That's crazy. Right now, 76 people that are watching, if you are going to have a baby before the age of 12, yeah. 76 of you, your kids are going to get bit. Absolutely. And now, Melissa, to answer your question, she's from New York, and she says, why do we stave off interaction for two to three months, even if we don't have an aggressive dog? You have no idea what you have, you have when a baby no comes. Idea. And here's the thing. Two to three months is how long it takes a regular thinking dog without fears, aggression, phobias, reactivity, anxiety to get used to a new stimuli. Yeah. That's how long it takes for desensitization to occur naturally. Now, you don't have to do this if you think you're in that 50% that your dog's never going to get bit. But I guarantee you, 99% of you think that you've got a dog that's never going to bite your child. And we're telling you, half of you, your kids are going to get bit before the age of 12. And I know that's scary. I know that's you know, scary. And not, the numbers, the, the statistics don't lie. No. The reason this is the most important show that we could ever do is because we know that kids and babies are a tragedy. A dog bite occurs every 75, 75 seconds. seconds. Every single day, 1,000 children are admitted to the hospital and are getting medical care because of a severe dog bite. Dog now, bites are the second most frequent cause of emergency room visits for children. Second most frequent is dog bites. 80% of children get bit in the home. Okay? Yep. 77% of dog bites to children occur from the family dog or a friend's dog or yeah. someone outside of the immediate family that, that yeah. has a dog. Um, here's something important that I would like you to address here, Will. A mm -hmm. lot of people are saying that they've actually started doing things like this with mm -hmm. the blankets, the toys, yeah. the, but the dogs think that it's a toy. How do they fix that problem? Okay, so one of the things we're going to talk about is toys and dogs. Yeah. Okay. Now, babies end up getting stuffed toys. Yeah. Okay, and some of you are giving your dogs stuffed toys. And I think the worst thing that ever happened in the dog world was the creation of stuffed toys for yeah. dogs. Oh my gosh. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> there is no way that your dog can discriminate between a stuffed toy that you give it for the dog and a stuffed toy that you're giving the baby. Especially when the dog who is a social opportunist knows that that baby is not going to be enforcing the rules the same way that you do. And dogs don't share. No, they don't share. It's either. I know a lot of you want your you dogs don't. to share. It doesn't happen. Lady in the Tramp, that's not real. Let me tell you. So the thing that I say is if you've got stuffed animals for your dogs, get rid of them. There's lots of other yeah. toys that you can give your dogs. Okay, get rid of them. Now, the other thing is we're going to early on, well before the baby comes, we're going to have lots of baby toys and we're going to put those baby toys out on the floor. Yeah. And when I've got the dog out, every time the dog shows interest in one of the baby toys, I'm going to interrupt the dog and redirect the dog 
to do something else. Maybe just come to me, have the dog sit, and give a high-value food reward. Oh, let me just say this. You need to be wearing a treat pouch almost 24-7. If you are in the home with the dog, you should have a treat pouch on. Absolutely, because you never know. Listen, you never know when you have an opportunity to reinforce, and that's the thing that we don't do. People are like, oh, I don't want to carry the treat pouch. It's inconvenient. Look, your dog needs a paycheck. We're asking your dog to do a lot of work. We're asking your dog to learn something. It's going to go faster. The dog's going to learn better. It's going to be a happier experience if there's currency, yeah. if there's a, a paycheck, and that is high-value food reward. Let me tell you guys, it's much more inconvenient, and this is coming from somebody who used to complain so much about that treat pouch. It is much more inconvenient when your dog does something right and you go to reward them and then you reach over here and you don't have your treat pouch on. I kick myself in the butt all the time because I forgot to put on my treat pouch and my dog Harley does something good and I go nice because that's her marker word and then I reach for my treat pouch and it's not on. Right. So let's make sure that, you know, that is so important. You know, a lot of people are going to want to just use love, praise, affection. Well, that's great. But you know what? It doesn't have the value. And how much is your baby's safety worth to you? Exactly. Okay. So again, putting out baby toys and Let me add more to that, putting out a diaper on the floor, putting out a bottle on the floor with formula in it, putting a pacifier on the floor. We want to make sure that your dog doesn't pick up any of those items, doesn't put it in its mouth. And trust me, if you end up going to uh, bottle feeding, whether you're putting your own breast uh, milk in there or whether you're using formula, that's food. Your dog's going to want it. Absolutely. The pacifier in the baby's mouth or anything the baby puts in its mouth, the dog's going to want it. So ahead of time, before the baby ever gets there, lay that stuff out, okay? Have a leash on your dog. Put that stuff out for about five minutes every day with a leash on your dog. As your dog shows interest, don't wait for your dog to put it in its mouth or smell it. As your dog shows interest... Call the dog to you, ask the dog to sit, give a high-value food reward. Do that over and over and over. Now, I also want you to get dog toys. Kong are good toys to get. Nylabone are good toys to get. But don't get stuffed animal. Don't get toys that look like your baby's toys. Get other toys. Begin to play with your dog with those toys. Make it a fun event with you. Now, Let me talk a little bit about play because that's really important. Now, your dogs are used to having play, love, affection, attention from you without a baby being there, without the baby vying for your attention. And what typically happens when a baby comes into the home, um, the time that the owners really spend with their dogs is typically when the baby's napping. That's a problem. If the only time you're really engaging with your dog is when the baby's napping and when the baby's present, you don't give your dog attention. Your dog, because the way they learn, they make black and white cause and effect associations. Imagine the baby comes, no attention. Baby's gone, attention. Baby comes, no attention. Baby's gone, attention. The dogs start to resent the baby. Well, they don't really have resentment, but they view the baby as a punisher because it takes away 
the interaction, when the baby comes, it means I don't get interaction from my owners. I don't get interaction and play. And so that's a problem. You need to make sure that you have scheduled times for your dog to play, to train. You need to be teaching obedience commands, basic commands before the baby comes. You need to be working on those and conditioning those when the baby is here, when the baby arrives. You need to spend a certain amount of time working with your dog every day, at least 15 minutes every day working with your dog. And you should be doing that when the baby is out, when the dog sees the baby, so that we can pair the dog listening when the baby's out, so that we can pair and associate the dog responding to commands and being obedient and well-behaved when the baby comes out. Okay. Um, so those are some things that you know we want to make sure that we're doing is, again, routine. I need you to start getting into a routine as if you have the baby now so that the dogs can get used to that routine and they know where their place is in the day-to-day life and the day-to-day activities um, that, that you have with your baby. Now, one of the things that happens, um, even with dogs that don't have problems when babies come, down the road, they might become food aggressive. And so when you're training your dog, one of the things that I want you to do with obedience commands, you know, teaching the dog to come when called, sit on command, lay down on command, you know, things of that nature. I want you to use your dog's food if you're feeding kibble. But what I want you to do, and put that kibble in your treat pouch. Now, this is for obedience training. When you're doing counter conditioning and desensitization, you need to be using those high value food rewards like cooked chicken, cooked beef. But you can use your dog's kibble for obedience training. Okay. And what I want you to do is stop putting a food bowl down and feeding your dog in the food bowl temporarily. What I want you to do in that treat pouch is you're going to have, let's say that your dog, you feed a cup of kibble in the morning, put that cup of kibble in your treat pouch, start teaching, sit down, teaching your dog to come, have the food bowl with you. What I want you to do, you ask the dog to sit, the dog sits, put a couple pieces of that kibble in the food bowl and just extend your hand out with that food bowl in your hand for your dog to eat it. One of the things that does, it starts to get the dog used to hands always being in the Absolutely. food, hands always being in the food so that we're preventatively and proactively teaching the dog not to have food aggression with the food bowl. The other thing that we're beginning to do is we're teaching the dog that, hey, You only get food if it's in your food bowl. Right. Now, let's segue into Mm -hmm. why we need to teach the dog to refuse people food if it's not put in their dog bowl. Oh, that's a great question. When when your baby starts to eat out of a high chair with, you know, real food. What happens? Yeah. Okay. So a couple things. What happens? What happens is the baby is going to be throwing all that food on the floor. It's in their lap. And guess what? all over the place. Every mom and dad loves the fact that the dog comes and cleans Cleans it it up up for for you. you. And let me tell you. Let me tell you why that is not the answer. What happens down the road? What happens down the The, road is this. First of all, the dog pairs the child as a resource as a of food. for high-value food rewards, okay? Exactly. So it's always going to be looking for food from your kid. Additionally, we had a client 
who worked in the ER. And let's not even go to that one. You yet. don't even want that one not yet. One okay. yet. Let's okay. just go to the fact that um, when it comes to babies dropping food on the floor yeah. when they're in the high chair and the dog's constantly getting it and eating it and you think it's a great thing. What happens is eventually the baby gets a little older right. and they get mobile and they're moving around with their feet and they got food in their hand. Right? Absolutely. A cookie, dog, a hot dog, a the carrot. The dog comes up and takes the food and from snatches. the dog. And, and the baby has its hand right at mouth level most of the time because yeah. of how short the baby is. And the dog goes and it snatches the food away from the baby. Right. And, you know, the dog didn't mean to. The dog did not mean to. But the, there's a good chance that the dog is going to bite your baby's hand as Accidentally. well. Accidentally. Or... Guess what? Maybe you've got a stubborn baby. That's like, that is my food. Maybe your baby's two. Exactly. Right? Terrible twos. Listen, your baby starts getting in a food fight with the dog. With the dog. And now your dog and your baby are literally fighting. Fighting. Over food. Yeah. Now, what I've seen a lot, even if that doesn't happen, is the child has food in its hand. And because the dog has associated the child with yeah. food because it's been cleaning up everything under the high chair. And now the dog's walking or the child's walking with food in its hand and they go to snatch it. Many toddlers have been knocked over yep. and their head has been cracked open yeah. by the tile because we usually have hard floors in Arizona. If you are in another part of the country, yeah. maybe you've got carpeting. Uh, but I tell you what, in Arizona, yeah. it's tile or wood. And here's that happens a, a lot. Here's a, a, a relevant question. There's a lot of great questions here, guys. I'm sorry if we don't get to all of your questions. We're going to try our absolute hardest because there is a lot of stuff for us to cover today. But Ashton asked, and I know that you said where you were from earlier. I'm not going to scroll up, but yeah. thank you for the question, Ashton. She said, we often feed people food in their Kongs, i.e. peanut butter, Greek yogurt, carrots, apples, etc. Is this okay to continue doing? Yes, as long as you are ensuring that the dog is only getting food from the Kong and from the food bowl. And then additionally, it is going to be your responsibility to make sure that you're teaching your children to leave the Kongs alone. So the Kong belongs to the dog. The dog knows that I get food from the Kong. Baby knows that I don't mess with Kong. That way we don't ever interact the two. The dog can learn that food comes from those two locations, from your hand, from the food bowl, and from the Kong. Those are the only three locations that your dog should be receiving food for at least, at least minimum, the first three months. Minimum, minimum, three months. Well, and then when the baby starts going into the yeah. high chair, all right, I think it's really important. You know, we need to teach that food refusal again. Of unless course. it's in the Kong, you know what unless instead, it's Will? from your hand or if it's in the dog bowl. You know what I do, Will? I have my clients get a, a mat, like a rubber mat. One, this helps with cleanup, for one, a mm -hmm. rubber mat that you can just take outside and close sure. off. Yeah. Or if you don't want a rubber mat, you can get a blanket, a towel, something like that. You put it on the ground and the high chair sits right on top of that. And we teach that rubber mat as an off-limits area to the dog. And now we have, say, a five-foot bubble around the uh, high chair that the dog no longer enters. You know, that's a great point. And, and let's expand on that. So what Jordan is saying is you've got this rubber mat underneath the high chair. Yep. Maybe it's five feet if you were to kind of measure the diameter. We teach a boundary to the dog. Don't get on the mat. You got to stay off the mat. Now, 
I like doing the same thing, similar, with all the other equipment that the baby has. So let's say we have a bouncy. Let's say that we have a swing. I use an area rug for my clients. I tell them to get an area rug. Put an area rug underneath the swing, the bouncy, whatever. Teach your dogs that they have to stay off the rug. Absolutely. So that they're respecting a boundary and they're giving space between the dog and the baby. Exactly. And then when you have a dog that is super food motivated, I'm I'm touching on this because a few people have commented this. When you have a dog that is super food motivated, especially a dog like a lab or a boxer, German shepherds, things like that, that are also really prey driven and sometimes have really bad impulse control, mm-hmm. huskies. <laughs> um, it's all about repetition. That's all that it is. So to answer your question in regards to teaching food aversion for dogs that like labs that are very, very food motivated, repetition and consistency. So when you can't be doing the training, you need to make sure that your dog doesn't have the opportunity to self reward and reinforce because then the dog learns, oh, the moment mom or dad turns their back, that's when I can get away with this. Sure. I want to talk about, you know, we're, we're talking about being proactive and yeah. teaching the dog not to put in its mouth items that are going to belong to the baby. Right. But what happens if that fails and the dog does put something in its mouth and we don't have a drop it command? What is one way? And I'm thinking about capturing. Yeah. They need to teach a drop it command. Yeah. And if so, if your dog does have something in its mouth, it it shouldn't, that it understands what drop it is. I'm actually going to take it one one step further. Instead of capturing, capturing is a fantastic method here, but I I personally think I have a better method than to capture. That's really simple. It's going to take you five minutes every single day. You're going to get a baggie full of high value food reward. Again, get that high value food reward. And you're going to say, drop, take a three or four pieces, throw it on the ground. Drop three or four pieces, throw it on the ground. Drop three or four pieces, throw it on the ground. Do this for about five, 10 minutes every single day for a few days. And then what's going to start happening here Your dog is going to have an item in its mouth that it can or is not supposed to have in its mouth. And you're going to say, drop and throw food on the ground. Now, here's the important part, folks. Do not take the item from the dog yet. Let the dog eat the food on the ground and go back to the item if he wants it. And we're going to practice that. That way the dog starts to learn. Mom says, drop. So one of the things that you're talking about is trading. Right. All right. There's two things here, folks. There's teaching a dog when it hears the word drop that it's going to get something better and to look at the ground and pick exactly. it up. Well, let's say that, you know, the dog has a, a baby toy in its mouth and you say drop and the dog understands that it means there's going to be high value food rewards on the ground. And the right. dog goes to eat it. Well, they're going to let go of that toy. Okay. Absolutely. Now, Jordan, you were saying don't take the item away from the dog. Not yet. Now, because that's going to poison the cue. Yeah. If, if every time your dog has something, you call the dog to you and you say drop and you take it away from the dog and the dog doesn't get anything in return or it just loses that item, the dog's going to be like, heck no, I'm not going to come and drop. Even though I know you're going to give me chicken, absolutely Because not. you're going to take it away. So one of the things we have to do is teach a dog that you know these things aren't scarce. Now, yeah. I still like the idea of capturing okay. because... Especially if your dog likes to play with its own toys. If yeah. you have a dog that picks up toys all day long, your dog also not Puts only picks down. it up, it, it drops them. It lets them go. Except for that Mal that we trained, that you trained for the, uh, <laughs> for the so, police department. For Gilbert <laughs> yeah. So with 
your dogs, I want you to begin to capture the behavior of dropping. So anytime your dog happens to on its own pick up something and on its own drop it, I want you to label that drop and then give a high value food reward. Absolutely. Again, we're capturing behaviors. There's a lot of training that you can do capturing. If your dog sits on its own, what, 10, 20, 30 times a day without asking for it? As your dog sits, you say sit, mark and reward. Right. So it's a different way to create associations. And we want to strengthen those associations. We want to have a high value food reward with it. But a lot of people, hey, maybe your dogs don't know how to sit. They don't know how to lay down. They don't know how to drop items. Well, your dog lays down every day on its own many times. When it happens, say down, mark and reward, high value food reward. Every day your dog sits on its own. Every time you happen to see it sit, label it. Say sit as it does it, mark and reward. And this is also why you have the treats on you. Exactly. Now, let's talk about one more thing, capturing a relaxed dog and putting that on cue. So when your dog lays down and gets comfortable, how about labeling that relax? Absolutely. Marking and rewarding and doing that. You know, we're so good about wanting to correct our dogs when they do something we don't want, but we're really bad about rewarding good, calm, relaxed behavior. And you know, it's crazy. This is the, this is the analogy that I use for my clients. If every single time that you walk by a dumpster, you find $20 on the ground, you're going to go out of your way every day to walk by that dumpster because you know, you're going to find a $20 bill when you walk by it. So if every time that your dog is calm, cool, relaxed, chillax, and being all cool, he is getting, he or she is getting food shoved down its throat. It is going to go out of its way to be cool, calm, and relaxed every day. Now, I think this is a good time for us to discuss what are the obedience skills that these dogs should know to accomplish these things. The two most important obedience commands. Yeah. Come when called. Yeah. And getting your dog to stay. Mm -hmm. And the best way to teach stay is to teach your dog to stay on one of these elevated dog cots. They're about two ah, inches up off command. the ground. Place command. They're, they're, and you teach it as an implied stay. It's about two inches up off the ground. It's got like mesh material. It's very comfortable for the dog to be on there. But the thing about it, what makes it easier to teach stay, because it's raised up a little bit, it's got like that psychological cliff effect. They have to step off of it. It's got right. this very clearly defined visual boundary. Now, I'm going to help you out. You might not know how to train place, how to teach it, okay? If you want to learn how to teach your dog place and how to stay on place with distractions, how to have a good implied stay, send an email to us and I'll send you three videos on how to teach place. Absolutely. The email address is info at pettalktoday.com. That's info at pettalktoday.com. In the subject, just type in place. And if you send me that email, I'm going to send you three links to videos, part one, part two, part three, on how to teach place. So that's one thing that you need to do. Now, when you're teaching the recall, when you're teaching the dog to come when called, what I want you to do, the first thing I want you to do is give your dog a high value food reward. Yeah. Your dog knows you got food rewards, okay? I want you then to start running backwards really fast and go, boop, 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 
make this high pitch sound, get real excited. Your dog's going to be excited. Your dog's going to run into you. Give it a reward. Yeah. Then again, run backwards away from your dog. Go make some crazy sounds. Your dog comes in, reward the dog. Yeah. Create that behavior of your dog coming in. We want the dog coming in fast and we want this to be a fun exercise. That's why you're running backwards and acting crazy. Now, after you've created that behavior and your dog's doing it, now change it up a little bit. Instead of making those funny noises when you run backwards and your dog starts coming into you, say, come or here, whatever that command is. Front, whatever your cue is going to be, whatever that command is going to (laughs) be. So you are creating the behavior, labeling the behavior rewarding with high value food rewards. How long do you do that? You need to do that at least three to five times a week. Yep. You need to be spending at least 15 minutes a day doing that repetitively. You need to do that in different areas in the house. Yep. Then you need to start doing that outside and you need to have a line or a leash on your dog when you're outside to help make it happen. Now, if there are too many distractions, you know, that are more valuable to your dog than you and the food reward, you need to practice this in an area that there are less distractions right. and little by little build it up. But you need to be more important to your dog and in, in something your dog likes better than anything else um, in the world. So the two most important commands, your dog coming when called and your dog staying put. You can manage just about anything. If your dog will come when called and you can get your dog to stay, you can manage just about anything. Yeah. And so those are going to be the two most important things. Drop. Ah, We talked about drop. Drop it and leave it. You know, but just use one word. It doesn't matter what it is. Okay. Right. But, but those are the things that they need. Now, the other thing, and I don't care whether you've got the greatest dog in the world, you need to crate train your dog. Yeah, absolutely. You need a place, a safe place for your dog. You need a place that you can put your dog up when you are tired, when you can't supervise and watch your dog. Let me tell you something. Unless you have the perfect baby, by the time you hit three weeks and probably before that, you are going to be exhausted. Yeah. You are going to be, you're going to have. My son was fantastic. He was what I would call the perfect baby. Okay. He really was. And I also had my ex-wife was fantastic. God bless her and what she did for me. She said that I went to work all day, every day. I worked very hard to put food on the table and a roof over our head. So she took the majority of nighttime feedings and, you know, diaper changing this. Basically, the night shift was pretty much hers because she didn't have a job besides raising the child. So thank you for that. Please. Thank you. But I was exhausted and I still had what I would call a perfect baby. And you know, I don't even have to do the night shift very often. How good are you when you have sleep deprivation? Yeah, you're not. And let me tell you, let me tell you, half of the people watching this video, your children are going to get bit by the time they're 12. And uh, those and again, are the statistics. That's the statistics. According to the CDC, 50% of all children by the age of 12 in the United States have been bit and by a dog. And we keep saying that because, again, every child that's been mauled, the parents thought the dog was fine with the baby. Absolutely. And so now, I believe you when you tell me you have the best dog in the world. Now that we've talked about exhaustion we've talked about but i'm going to talk about the fact that they're exhausted and yeah all right and 
there are times when you are not going to be able to be thinking clearly. Right. And you're going to make mistakes and you're not going to manage things well. Yep. You need to, and don't ever feel guilty about this. If you are not alert and awake and you can't supervise your dog, you need to create the dog. They need to be confined. So that something bad can't happen. Absolutely. And I'm going to say something that a lot of people, a lot of people don't like. They think it's big and scary and that it's a terrible thing. Muzzle train your dog. And we muzzle train because why? We muzzle train because you never you know. You never know. You never know. I'm not saying that your dog is aggressive and vicious. I'm not saying that I think that your dog is going to rip your baby's face off. But what I'm saying is you don't know. You don't know what's going to happen. You know, I'm crazy. You know that. I'm crazy. If I had it my way, every dog would wear a muzzle to the child's age of five through nine. Absolutely. To answer your question, Tyler, and I'm sorry that I interrupted you, Will. No, um, to answer your question, Tyler, shoot us an email at the info at pettalktoday.com and put into the subject line, crate, and yeah. we will help you with that. Yeah, that's another thing, folks. If you need help crate training, if your dog's not crate trained, send an email, like Jordan said, to info at pettalktoday.com. In that subject, just type in crate. Yeah. And we'll send you the video on crate training. Absolutely. Now, okay. as you were saying, you were talking about... No, the, the thing yeah. about it is, is that the number one rule when you have a new baby is you supervise your dogs. Your dogs are on leash. Did you hear that? The first two to three months when your dogs are out and about in the house, you've got them on leash because you don't know. You don't know. You muzzle train your dog because you don't know. And when... You get to that point. Remember, the first two to three months, we want your dog an arm's length away from the baby. But then, after that, the dog can approach the baby. When that time comes, we want a muzzle on the dog. Absolutely. And same thing with the muzzle. Email us with the, with the subject line, muzzle, and we have videos right. for so you. Right, so email, send an email to info at pettalktoday.com in that subject heading. Type in muzzle. We'll send you the video on muzzle conditioning. That's right. If you're just joining us, I'm Will Bangura. And I'm Jordan Marsteller. And you're listening to Pet Talk Today here on Facebook Live and on the Pet Talk Today page. If you're brand new and uh, you've not been a regular listener and viewer of Pet Talk Today, we are here each and every Saturday morning from 12 p.m. to 1 p.m. Eastern Time, as well as 9 a.m. to 10 a.m. Pacific Time, and, where we help you yeah. with your dog behavior and training issues do us a favor hit that like button let us know that you appreciate what we're doing and hit that share button not everybody can afford private training and that's why we do this absolutely and this is the most important show that we do all year absolutely long. absolutely and today we are probably well not probably we will be going over our our hour um at least a little bit here so we're talking about that muzzle it is so extremely important and when we do when we do the muzzle training, we make it so very positive that when your dog sees the muzzle, it loves it. They love it. I let me tell you, I have never had a single client that could not successfully mm -hmm. complete the muzzle training without the dog being 
super extremely excited. Yeah, now we're not talking right. We're not talking about, and we don't want you to just throw a muzzle on no, your dog. Absolutely not. Okay, we're talking about positive muzzle conditioning. We turn this into something fun, something wonderful. We associate it with high value food yep. rewards, so that it doesn't seem like it's a straight jacket when you're when your absolutely. dog's wearing that. So now we've talked about supervise and confine. We've talked about teaching drop it. We've talked about the important obedience stuff. I think now that we're transitioning into management, I think it's a good time to bring up off limits areas. Well, before we do that, yeah. and we'll talk, and we did talk about that a little bit. One of the other things that's important is, um, do you have a dog that licks? Ah, yeah. Okay. We don't want the dog licking the baby. So if you've got a dog that licks, one of the things you're going to want to do is you're going to want to start teaching the dog not to do that. Okay. And that, what you could do very simply is you could present your arm. Let's say your dog likes to lick the arm. And your dog goes to lick, pull the arm away and go, nope. Yep. And then bring the arm back again. If your dog tries to lick, go, nope. Pull the arm away, present the arm. Your dog does not lick. There we go. Mark and reward the behavior of not licking. And again, you're going to do that exercise five to 15 minutes when you do an exercise once a day at least three to five times a week to be able to teach the dog um, not to lick. Um, also earlier we talked about that all dogs need to be taught to stay off of all furniture there again, if you need help, how do I teach my dog not to go on the furniture and only go up when invited, send an email to info at pettalktoday.com in that subject type in. What was I talking about? Furniture. Furniture. There we go. Type in furniture. Had a, <laughs> Guys, had a brain folks, fart there. Folks, listen, I, I am not kidding. This man has a autographed Bible from Training Jesus Dog, okay? He is, he's a little he I'm old. forgetful sometimes. I'm old. I'm old. Um, <laughs> but anyways, anyways, so um, so here's the thing. We, we need to make sure we are teaching the dogs not to lick. Stay off the furniture. Make sure that you muzzle condition your dog. Even if your dog is not going to be muzzle wearing a muzzle 24-7, minimum the first time that they that you bring baby and dog together within less than that arm's length, please, 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 please muzzle your dog. Just go ahead because let me tell you, guess what, Will? I, I live about 45 minutes from the studio mm-hmm. and I did not get into a car accident on the way here. I'm glad. I am glad too. But you know what? I was wearing my seatbelt. Why? You didn't get in a car accident. Right. But if I had gotten into a car accident, I would have been so very grateful that I was wearing that seatbelt. And that's why you need to teach your dog to be comfortable wearing a muzzle. Exactly. All right. Hey, after, you know, the two to three months, and then you have your dog wearing a muzzle every time it's around the baby, you keep that muzzle on for two to three months. Because the context has changed. Exactly. The dog can have contact with the baby. Now, let me just say this. This is a given. It should be, but I have to say it. No child, I don't care how old they are, no child should be left unsupervised around any dog ever. Ever. Okay? Ever. Now, the other thing I want to say too, don't be fooled if you've got a little dog. Oh my gosh. Yeah. All right. Everybody thinks Rottweiler, German Shepherd, Pitbull. Oh my God, we got to work on this dog. We don't want anything to happen to the baby. Okay. The three most aggressive breeds, the 
three most aggressive breeds, the three breeds that have the most bites to kids. Okay. Chihuahua. Oh, you don't say. No, I'm sorry. Dachshund's yeah, number one. The Dachshund's go. number yes. one. Wiener dog. Yeah. Chihuahua's number two. And Jack Russell Terrorist, number three. Okay. A little old dude. Yeah. So, and, and if you think those little sharp razor sharp teeth can't rip and tear, listen, don't think that your little dog cannot harm your baby. Or even you. Yeah. Absolutely. I, I have clients who are put in the hospital by their chihuahuas. Yeah. So just know that it's not about size of dog. No. It's about temperament. Okay. And any dog can do a lot of damage. And sometimes the little dogs do more damage, believe it or not. Absolutely. Believe it or not. Um, I want you to look through the questions. Yeah. And see if we've got questions that good questions, we didn't answer. Yeah. And do us a favor. If you've got a question, if we did not cover a question that you have in, in the information we presented, do us a favor, type your question in the comments section. Let us know where you're from. Where are you watching from? Where are you listening from? And do us a favor, please share this video on your timeline. Please hit that like button. That way more people can benefit from the information um, that we're giving you. Now, some of you might be saying, hey, this seems awfully extreme. Again, I, I can't, Here's the thing. I can't help say but say extreme. Half, half of the kids, half of the people here that are watching this, half of your kids are going to get bit by the time they're to age 12. Hang on. I, I five million dog bites every year in the United and States. And that's a low estimate. Every that's what's reported. 75 seconds. That's what's a reported. A person is bit by a dog. Again. That's what's reported. 50% of all children in the United States have been bitten by the age of 12. 77% Usually by bites. a family yeah. dog. Exactly. 80% of those bites to children occurred Happen in their home. home. Dog bites are the second most frequent cause of emergency room visits. Children are much more likely to be severely injured. Every day, 1,000 children minimum are seen in the ER due to a severe dog bite. Guys, is this extreme? Yes, it is, but this is why it's extreme. Now, we realize that a lot of you have really good dogs, but again, things can become unpredictable, all right? We started off the show by talking about a baby screaming and crying sounds like wounded prey, and that can really freak out a lot of dogs and that can make them aggressive. Okay? Brenda, Brenda, I want to, I want to address what you just said. It is helpful. And I don't want you to feel scared. I want no. you to feel informed. That's why we're giving you this information. This is the facts. The facts are, and let me tell you, it, it's scary. It is so scary, especially if you're about to have your first child. And now you have these two experts in the field talking about all these dog bites and all the severe things. Listen, there's a reason dogs are called man's best friend. There is a reason for that. But the statistics are real. That dog bites are the second most frequent reason why your child could be seen in the ER. Luckily, you know, I just so happened to be on the other side of that 50%. I didn't get bitten by a dog as a child. Uh, actually, that's a lie. I got bit by my neighbor's chihuahua. Would you uh -huh, look at chihuahua. that? Look at that. <laughs> that's a lie. Where'd get you get bit? bit? What part of the body? Uh, the hand. The hand. It was the hand. Yeah. Well, you were trying to pet it. Yep, I was trying to pet it. Yeah. And you know why? Because nobody was watching me. Exactly. <laughs> right. And yeah. you did not learn certain bite prevention yeah. rules that every child should learn. So folks, I realize when you have a brand new infant, you can't have a conversation about what they need to do, what they shouldn't do for bite prevention. Yeah. 
But when they get older and they can start coloring and you can start talking to them, we've got a coloring book. Absolutely. We've got a bite prevention coloring book. If you want the bite prevention coloring book, send us an email (laughs) to info at pettalktoday.com. That's info, pettalktoday.com. And in the subject... Type coloring book. Coloring book. And we'll get that out now, to you as Kat, well. Now, Kat, this is a fantastic question. This is a question that I know a lot of people because it's got a lot of likes. Okay. Um, Kat says, my dogs are constantly with me. Both sit with me on the couch every day, mm-hmm. and they both sleep in my bed and even under the blankets with me. Mm-hmm. How am I supposed to retrain them that they can't be on the furniture, mm-hmm. sleep with me, or be in my bedroom? It seems almost like a punishment for the dogs mm-hmm. and even for myself. I cannot sleep with them not in the bed. I'm due in December, so I have some time, but I am really uncomfortable with this idea. All right. Let me say something first, okay? Um, one of our clients was an emergency room surgeon. Ah, you're going to bring up that story. Okay. Emergency room surgeon. And she told me this story, a family dog, friendly family dog, non-aggressive, no aggressive family dog. The mother put the baby on the couch. Okay. Mom put baby on the couch, stepped away for God, what seemed like just a second. The baby had a soiled diaper, had poop in it. Dogs love to eat and view baby poop as a high-value food item. Yeah, because it has so much nutrients in it still. The dog started chewing off the diaper and was eating the fecal matter. And as a result, the dog bit off one of the infant boy's testicles. Yeah. And they had to take that infant boy to the hospital. This is not an aggressive dog. He had no aggressive intent. He was just hungry. He wanted the, he wanted the feces. You That's need to it. teach your dogs to stay away from diapers. But the reason I say that to her is we need to keep your dog off furniture. Yeah. You're going to have your baby in your bed with you. I guarantee yeah. it. You're going to have the baby on the couch. Okay. And let's look at it from this angle too. Let's not say that your dog, the reason that you want, we want the dog not on the couch is just because your, your child may lose a testicle. The other reason is I've got a, let's just say I've got a 25 pound dog that loves running around the house and jumping up on the couch, jumping in the bed, jumping on all these pieces of furniture. And my baby is just relaxing in its boppy on the couch, watching little Einsteins, whatever it is. And now your dog comes barreling inside because he's been outside getting out some energy. He's excited. He was chasing the birds along the fence line, having a good time. You open up that back door, he comes running in, jumps right up onto that couch and his claws scratch all over your baby's face. I mean, this is, this is a possibility. So here's the thing. You teach your dog to stay off all furniture. Yeah. The video teaches you to teach the dog to go up when invited only. Exactly. When invited only. Your dog doesn't have to stay off the furniture, now, period. You it, might be a single mom. Yeah. And if you are, God bless you. It's the most difficult job yeah. there is. But hopefully you've got a partner. And hopefully you've got a partner that can watch the baby. And then you can have some fun, loving time with your dog invited into the bed where the baby's not around yep invited up on the couch with you to play with when the baby's not around but again it's on invitation only right okay um and so we're we're not just completely taking it away the other thing as you teach your dog to come off the furniture 
on command, high value food reward. So you're concerned that it seems like punishment, but teaching the dog to go on and off becomes a fun game. Exactly. And there's lots of high value food rewards. Dogs are very simple creatures. They think binary, black and white, on and off, yes and no, right and wrong, cause and effect. Punisher, reinforcer. Exactly. And so will it be a punisher if you just one day suddenly tell the dog, nope, no more couch, no more bed, and that's it? Yeah, it will be. It will be a punisher because you just took something that they liked. You took something away. That's negative punishment. Now, but if you teach them to get off on command and when they get off, they get lots and lots and lots and lots of food, they're going to be like, heck yeah. I love getting off. And you I know, when I, off and, I'll, and let me just say this because you brought something into my old yeah. person memory. Yeah, okay. Yeah. When I do this, and I'm not sure uh-huh. that in the video it says this. Right. I may have changed it since the video. When I teach the dog to get up on the furniture, I do not reward with food. Right. I just verbally praise. I do the exact same. When I teach the dog to come off, I use the high value food reward. Therefore, losing the furniture has more value. Exactly. And it's a temporary loss because then I'll command them up. They get love, praise, and affection. I ask them to come off. They get a high value food reward. Exactly. Exactly. And this is honestly, everything that we're doing here is just because combined we have... Actually, I, I want to say combined, we have over half of a decade or half of a century almost of experience working with dogs, training dogs. Just the two of us together have a, a, like half a century just about because I've got about 15 years of experience and you have what, a little over 30, almost 40 yeah, unfortunately, yeah. I've got yeah. uh, 46 years. There, oh, exactly. So we have over <laughs> half of a century of experience sitting right here. Yeah. Okay, my point is this. In fact, it's almost three quarters of a century. In our experience, these are the times and these are the situations where the dogs get into trouble with your children. These are the times where your children are being hurt, harmed, maybe not maliciously, but it's happening. And so that's why we implement these specific rules and regulations. I'm going to scroll through while you could keep yeah. addressing and, things. And so let questions. me just talk about something that you'll need to do or need to really address when your baby gets older. Dogs love to chase and kids love to run. And one of the things you need to do is you need to teach your dog not to be running after little babies or yeah. little toddlers that are running around. Um, and, that, when it happens, the best thing to do is have a leash on your dog. Absolutely. All right? You're not going to be able to do that if you don't have a leash on the dog. It doesn't need to be a six-foot leash. It could be a little three-foot drag yeah. line. But you just stop the dog from doing it. And, the, and, and you do things proactively. Don't yeah. always wait for a problem. You know, you can have your partner run. The dog starts to run. You stop it with the leash. And you keep doing that over and over. And then... When the partner runs and the dog doesn't take the bait, now give a high value food reward when the dog doesn't run. But do me a favor. When you're practicing that drill, I need you to also practice the recall, the come command. And I need you to mix it up back and forth so that your dog doesn't think that it should not come to you when called. Because remember, we started teaching that by running backwards. Okay. So that's one Ah. thing. You got another question? Yeah, Natalie. First, I just want to ask, where are you from, Natalie? Go on and share that in the comments. But Natalie says, what if one of our dogs is very handsy? We don't allow him to jump, but he likes to put a paw up to get our attention. How do we get him to stop? Yeah. So one of the things is that your dog cannot be laying down 
and pawing at you at the same Absolutely. time. If your dog's committed, <clears throat> excuse me, to laying down on command, it would have to give up that yeah. behavior in order to paw you. So again, I want everybody to start thinking about, <clears throat> excuse me, rather than think about what you want the dog not to do, think about what you'd like the exactly. dog to do instead. Exactly. Teach an alternative behavior, teach an alternative behavior that gets a high value food reward. Yep. And then what you want to do when your dog begins to paw at you, you need to turn around and give your dog the cold Absolutely. shoulder. And now, exactly. That's what I was going to say. Now, Natalie from Michigan, additionally, you said to get our attention. This is what I have my clients do. I want you to turn that pawing behavior into like he's pressing a button on you. Like literally he's pushing a button for a function. It's a functional behavior, but we're going to make it dysfunctional. As soon as your dog paws, you're going to do the exact opposite of what he wants. What he wants is attention. So let, like, like, like imagine I've got my arm, my dog paws my arm. The moment he paws my arm, I'm going to get up, turn my back and walk away. And I'm going to come back 30 seconds later. And if he paws at my arm again, I'm going to get up, turn my back, walk away. Pause my arm, get up, turn my back, walk away. And I teach him, you can control what I do, but it's not going to be what you like. The other thing that you can do, especially if, say, let's say that doesn't work and you've given that several weeks and you're yeah. not seeing any improvement, you can do something else. The dog paws at you immediately and quickly get the dog in the crate. Absolutely. Give the dog a two-minute timeout. Exactly. If the dog begins to associate pawing at you, means it's got to have a two-minute timeout and exactly. it doesn't get the attention and affection from you. Eventually, that light bulb goes on if you're consistent and there's enough repetition. Dog's like, yeah, I'm not going to paw because I don't like yeah. what happens afterwards. Exactly. Now, Tyler <laughs> from Albuquerque, he says, how do we introduce the baby when family is coming in all the time during the first three months? Honestly, Tyler, it's going to be the exact same method. In fact, it might be easier for you because now you have family to watch the baby while you put in the work with the dogs. Now, let me say one other thing. Yeah. How do your dogs do when large yeah, groups of people come into your home? I'm going to say that again. Imagine you don't have a baby and imagine yeah. all these people coming into your home. What does your dog do? That's going to be stressful in and of itself. Yeah. You need to proactively prepare your dog for that before that happens by having these people parade themselves into the home. They get excited. They come in, oh, hi, how are you? Oh, let's see the baby. And guess what? All that commotion, what happens? You're into that and you're not watching your exactly. dogs. You're not watching your dogs. Maybe that's an opportunity for you to create the dog. Listen, remember I said you should not feel guilty about creating the dog? Uh, when Tyler you're too that tired. He, that his dogs do not do good typically. What? When he has large groups of people come in. So the first thing that you need to do is start counter conditioning yeah. and desensitizing your dog to people coming in. Absolutely. You start with one person, your dog's as far away from that door as possible on place. We told you how you can get the videos on how to teach place. Then that's one stranger steps one foot in that door and you feed, 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 feed constantly and continuously. Absolutely. That person steps out, you stop feeding. They step in, feed, 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 constantly and continuously with high-value food rewards They for about five seconds. They step out, you stop feeding. Absolutely. You are associating high-value food rewards with the presentation of a stranger or somebody else coming into the home. When your dog is comfortable with one person, then you do it with two. 
Yep. When they're comfortable with two, you do it with three and so on and so forth. Once they're comfortable with that, now you go back to one. You bring that place cut a little closer. Yep. But when you bring it a little closer, you need to go back to one person Absolutely. and you build that back up at that distance. Yeah. And then when your dog's comfortable with that, you bring that place cut even closer and you start with one person again and then two, then three, then four. It's a slow, gradual Absolutely. system of desensitization. You can't go faster than your dog can handle it. Right. If when you're doing this, your dog gets nervous or anxious, you're too close too soon. Absolutely. Okay. Too Absolutely. close, too soon. Then Leah from Detroit, she says that she plans on not letting anybody over so that she can focus on dog and baby. Is I love that. I no. love it. God bless you. Yes. You want to come work for us? No, That's something right. I would love to hey, tell people. Hey, listen, listen. I know it's a long drive. It might be a <laughs> decent commute, but I promise you, <laughs> tell you what, come in like October time frame. you're never going to want to leave. I promise. Here's the thing. Your baby and its safety and your dog getting used to the baby and being calm and relaxed, in my opinion, has a whole hell of a lot more value than anybody else coming in. Absolutely. And let's, I mean, and we don't even have to start talking about immune systems and things like yeah, that. There's many reasons why you don't want to let lots of people yeah. into the house. Now, I got other things I can talk about, but I want you to see if we have questions. Yeah, absolutely. <clears throat> so, um, oh, let's see. Um, and if you've already typed in a question, and we are not getting to it, type it in again, yeah, because we've yeah. got so many questions, I I'm sure. I see a lot of people that are talking about jumping behaviors uh, when guests come over, and I know that has nothing to do with babies. Well, so it does when they get older. Exactly. And so what I want you to do, once again, info, I-N-F-O, at PetTalkToday.com, and type pack leadership into the subject line there. We have a nice blog post on pack leadership and a 45 minute podcast of me explaining a lot of things to include the jumping behavior and how to rectify that. Um, uh, and what I'm going to do here is we have a question from Savannah. Firstly, I'm going to ask Savannah, where are you from? Type it in the kennels down below in the kennels in the comments down below. She said, what about a dog who chews their dog bed up in the kennel? She's trained her Doberman to mm -hmm. the T, mm -hmm. but since their newborn has came home and mm -hmm. even before, oh, this sounds like anxiety. And even before, anytime he goes into the kennel at night, he makes it his mission to tear the bed up. He has been kennel trained since six mm -hmm. weeks old. I gotta use yeah, go ahead and get rid of the bed. Go ahead and get rid of the dog bed. You know, I don't like putting towels or blankets or dog beds into the crate, especially if they're tearing it up. Because here's the thing. If they're tearing up that item, there's a reinforcer. Now, Jordan talked about anxiety. Jordan talked about stress. Okay. Most of those behaviors are going to be stress-related. And one of the things when a dog's doing a behavior we don't like the first thing we need to do is make it so that it can't happen so that the dog cannot continue to rehearse the behavior because all behaviors that are rehearsed get conditioned. Okay. And when we're talking about um, a dog and we're talking about um, these conditioned behaviors, we've got to make sure that we're not contributing to the behavior by reinforcing it. And 
I'm telling you, your dog chewing up that bed and then you going in there and, and taking that out, um, your dog thinks that you like it. That's a little gift that your dog is giving you. You can't correct the dog after the fact, all right? And quite frankly, yeah, I realize that dog bed makes it a little more comfortable for your dog. But primarily, that dog bed is giving you mostly emotional comfort, all right? There are no dog beds in the wild. It's not something your dog has to have, okay? And one of the things that you can begin to do is start working on getting your dog more comfortable in the crate because I guarantee you there's anxiety in there. Okay. And by looking at or sending us an email for the crate training video, that's going to help you with that. Okay. Now um, we have Isis from Virginia. She has three dogs, age 11, eight and one. There we go. Age 11, 8, and 1. She wants to know if she should prioritize training differently based on age. Her one-year-old hound mix is much more active and jumpy than the older pit lab mixes, or do they train equally across the board? So, to answer that question, starting out, let's go on and keep the training the same across the board. Start to gauge which dogs are more receptive to the training and which dogs have more issues than the others. And I'm going to assume that it's going to be your one-year-old that is not going to pick up as quickly and is going to require more attention. At that point, you can start gauging which dogs need a little bit less attention for the training and which ones need more. In the beginning, though, all dogs, age, shape, size, breed, doesn't matter. They all get the same treatment until we gauge what that specific dog's needs are. Does that answer your question? Now, I want to bring up something yeah. because a lot of people, and, and I see these things posted on Instagram, on Facebook, mm -hmm. and there are pictures of a baby, Yeah, and they're right on top of a dog. Oh, my gosh. Okay, and everybody posts it like it's this cute thing. I cannot tell you how many times I've seen those photos that people think is just wonderful, and I'm looking at the canine body language, and the dog's ready to bite. Yeah. The dog's ready to bite, and guess what? Nobody understands and sees it in the canine body language because they don't know it. One of the most important things as a mom that you can know is canine body language. Your dogs have all kinds of very covert, very subtle, very small little ticks, little canine body language ticks that let you know that they're stressed. Yeah. Okay. You need to understand canine body language. So here again, here again, if you want an article on canine body language <laughs> and videos one. on canine body language, if you want to learn more about canine body language, send an email to info at pettalktoday.com. Again, info at pettalktoday.com. In the subject heading, go ahead and put canine body language or just body language, and we'll make sure that you get that information as well. But a lot of people, they have no clue that their yeah. dog is anxious or nervous or is having stress. And then once they learn the canine body language, you're like, oh my God, I didn't realize that my dog was nervous. And let me tell you, <clears throat> you need to know if things that your baby or when it gets older and is a toddler, you need to be able to read your dog's body language to know whether or not what your child is doing is causing stress to your dog. Because if it's stressful, 
you need to counter condition and desensitize it. And if it's stressful, you need to make sure that your child's not engaging in that behavior unless you're using it as a training exercise. You avoid that behavior until you do the work, until you do the work. Now, uh, we've got a few things. Um, Kat, again, from Florida, man. Thanks for all the questions, Kat. I really appreciate it. So she she's saying basically her dogs are super reactive and high anxiety during thunderstorms and fireworks. Uh, they run and bark constantly, even with medication. How can she help ease their anxiety with loud noises? Well, this is what I'm going to say. We actually did three. Was it three episodes? Um, the last three weeks we did episodes on fireworks. On fireworks. <clears throat> yeah. And additionally, once again, info at Pet Talk Today put into the subject line fireworks yeah i don't have one on storms yet but i will have uh i will have yeah uh, storm sounds for desensitization but i do have fireworks exactly okay so so basically cat that is a very 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 in-depth question that requires it took us three weeks of time and we didn't even cover everything um and i think one of the shows was even an hour and a half long um that we did on fireworks specifically you also said that not even medication well Well, here's the thing it depends on the medication exactly depends on the dosage yeah. Okay. There are all kinds of medications out there. Yeah. Um, and who knows what kind of medication exactly. you have? Who knows what your dog weighs? You who knows what the dosage? behavior consultant. Yeah. You need to contact a behavior or, consultant. Or you need to be talking to a veterinary behaviorist. Yeah, yeah exactly. A veterinary behaviorist. Because if you're just getting medication from your regular veterinarian, let me tell you something. They have one course on behavior and it covers yeah. a multitude of species. Yep. All right. And they have no training listen, in behavior listen, medication. Listen, I am working towards my doctorate of veterinary medicine and I'm promising you there is nothing in my coursework that specializes specifically in canine behavior. There isn't. And 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 I know a lot of people they just assume their vet has great understanding and, of behavior. And which is a fantastic assumption to make, but it's not the case. That's why there's veterinary behaviorists and sadly there's only 48 of them in, in the, the country, country that are practicing. Yeah. <clears throat> and now we have Russ. Russ says, uh, I'm not certain where you're from, Russ. Just go on and, uh, and uh, put that down in the comments for us. Russ says that uh, their Great Pyrenees is a therapy dog also and has been very good with children while visiting. Uh, apparently they sent us a, pic- a picture of them a year ago um and they just want to know if we have any comment well i don't know what the picture is i'd have to see the picture again maybe if you email us a copy of that picture uh next week we can talk about it you can come back and we'll talk yeah about i'm it. not sure what the question is can yeah. you help me understand that i don't i don't think there is a question i think that they were just making a comment asking if you know if we had any comment about the picture that they sent in oh then cassie cassie where are you from put it down oh russ is from west virginia all right and cassie go ahead and share with us where you're from i know that you've made a few comments already but i did not catch your location and if you are just joining us i'm will bangura and i'm jordan marstella and you've been listening to pet talk today here on facebook live Live on the Pet Talk Today Facebook page. We're here each and every Saturday morning from 12 noon to 1 p.m. Eastern Time. That's 9 a.m. to 10 a.m. Pacific Time, where we take your calls, we yeah. answer your dog and behavior training questions, and talk about relevant yeah. topics to help you have a better relationship with your dog. Do us a favor. Hit that like button, show us some love, hit that share button so that more people can benefit from this information. Yeah. To answer your question, Cassie, basically she wants to know if dogs that in that are not super sound reactive have seen have proven to be less likely to be reactive to the sounds of the baby. Not necessarily exactly. because the context is completely different. different. You know, yeah. you could have a dog that, you know, does fantastic with thunderstorms and fireworks and all of a sudden the um, fire alarm goes off in the house and the dog freaks out. 
Right. But again, remember, a baby crying sounds like wounded prey. And now all of a sudden, that old part of the brain, the reptilian part of the yeah. brain, and that's mostly the dog's brain. Yeah. There's this tiny little neocortex there that they've got the ability to have logic, reason, and critical thinking as well as a two-year-old child, okay? Now, when they are in that older part of the brain, they're not able to think and use logic and critical thinking, all right? And when they hear certain noises, especially kids screaming, wounded prey. Yeah. And that thinking part of the brain shuts off. So it's very possible that a lot of dogs get aggressive, a lot of dogs get anxious and fearful. I'm not saying all do. I'm not saying all do. Yeah. But I guarantee you, 30 to 60% of dogs are going to have a real yeah. big issue with babies crying. Exactly. And then Cherry, just again, comment where you're from. Uh, they want to know if we have any extra advice for introducing an old blind dog to a baby. Here's the thing, Cherry. I'm assuming that you're, you joined recently. As soon as this live stream ends, probably within the next 20 or so minutes, um, it will be immediately posted within about 15, 20 minutes to our page. Go rewatch the beginning. The yeah. process for an old blind dog is no different than a young dog without vision deficits. Um, then additionally, oh, from Lafayette, Louisiana. Hello, Cherry from Lafayette. I uh, I used to be stationed out there on Fort Polk. I was uh, I was on Fort Polk, Hinesville, Lake Charles area. But um, then we have Crystal from PA. Um, in all of our years of training, have either of us ever had a dog or a family that needed to rehome the dog because he was too aggressive with mm -hmm. a baby and couldn't yeah. be so, trained. Who is this? This right here mm -hmm. is Crystal from Pennsylvania. All right, Crystal from Pennsylvania. I want you to imagine that you've got a child aggressive dog. Yeah. And you are like, hey, I need to rehome this. Yeah. Write up that wanted ad. Yeah. Write up that classified ad. Write it up and be honest. And then ask yourself, is this a dog I'm going to adopt? Yeah. yeah. Is this a dog I'm going to take? Probably not. Probably not. And, and let's talk about no-kill shelters. Not that yeah. I want to get into that. I'm not going to go into this much. Yeah. But I want to tell you something. There's no such thing as a no-kill shelter. Yeah. When that dog recycles over and over again, they outsource the euthanasia. There's no such thing as yeah. a no-kill shelter. Eventually, they become over. They become overpopulated, and those dogs go out back of those, to the county, exactly, and where the they county, took them from. Yep, and then initially, and then the county does euthanize. Now, to to answer your question, uh, Crystal, yes, I have had dogs that I've worked with that needed to be rehomed. However, it was not because the dog was deemed too aggressive. I am a firm believer that there is a level of management that can be implemented for any level of aggression. Now, here's the thing. When we have dogs that are yeah. really aggressive, it requires a lot. A lot. A lot of management. Yeah. All right? There's no such thing as a cure. We can make it better. No such thing as a cure. So basically, you got children in the house. You've got one of these dogs. Um, you've got a child picking up a loaded gun yep. in many places throughout the house. That's exactly. what it's like. And so where management yeah. is so important, we take a look at the adults in the house. Yeah. We take a look at the pets in the house. We take a look at lifestyle. the children. What's the lifestyle? And let me tell you, for a professional, 
professional, like myself, professional, Jordan. Yeah. Very difficult to manage an aggressive dog when you have a child. Nate, oh my gosh, it is. Right. I now, have dogs. I'm going to say even, this. I want to yeah. say this, okay? I know what the work is. I know what, yeah. what's involved. I wouldn't do it. Yeah. It's difficult. It's a it's lot difficult. of hard work and management can fail. Yeah. And so if we feel like it's too difficult to manage for the people and there's a high probability that a child's going to get hurt, we're going to recommend that the dog be rehomed. But a lot of times these kind of dogs, yeah. you can't find a home for them. Yeah. It's just, it's just the way it is. Absolutely. And, and the thing is what we're basically saying here is whenever we have recommended euthanasia, or rehoming for a dog, which has not happened much. In fact, I think out of the hundreds and hundreds, and then with Will, thousands and thousands, tens of thousands of dogs that he has trained, I personally have recommended it two times. Um, and I'm not certain about Will. I think it's maybe five or less probably. Yeah, about a handful. Yeah. But again, if you've got a dog that has fears, anxiety, yeah. phobias, aggression, you need to be contacting a professional. This yeah. is not a substitute. No, not at for all. For training an aggressive dog. This is some information. It's a supplement, but you need to get a professional if you Absolutely. have an aggressive dog. And we have a lot of questions that are coming up about fireworks. And this is what I'm going to say. Yeah. Um, one, today isn't about fireworks, but I'm going to touch just a little bit. Um, let me see where that question went that I'm actually referencing here. Maria from Omaha. Um, her dog will not leave the backyard since the last thunderstorm and firework episode. She needs to walk because she has all that energy to work out. She's a three-year-old Samoyed. What do you do? First things first, this is a trauma response. This is a severe trauma response because it is the ninth. Yeah, and the dog hasn't recovered. And it hasn't recovered yet. This is, a, this is PTSD. This is what that is. Um, your dog needs the help of a behavior consultant, plain and simple. And or most a likely a veterinary behaviorist. Yeah. This one here, you can start with the behavior modification, but the fact that it is so severe... And, and yeah. wh- how do we know it's severe? Um, most dogs are going to recover like that. An hour. Okay, after hour. it's gone. When you have days and the fireworks have been gone for days and we've got a dog that's still in that trauma state, yeah. um, that usually means that uh, the gold standard is going to be behavior medicine with behavior, behavior modification. modification. Never medicine alone. Yeah. And then once we get the work done, we can uh, wean off that behavior medicine most Absolutely. likely. Absolutely. Oh, my... Because they're so handsy. Yes, exactly. Savannah says that she agrees. Her Shih Tzu hates toddlers because they're so handsy. Keeping children from grabbing her or in her personal space has prevented all problems and probably even future problems. Now, that is correct. Here's the thing. Yeah, we want to do a really good job, you know, monitoring, monitoring, supervising children, making sure they're not doing the wrong thing. But one of the things I wanted to say is that you also need to begin to counter condition and desensitize Fast movements of hands Absolutely. going towards the face and coming towards the dog at their eye level. Because think about it. What scares dogs a lot is that kids are like little monsters flailing around at, at their eye level. And not only do we have to desensitize these crazy movements at yeah. eye level, but we have to desensitize touch. Absolutely. You know, what we want to do is we start at, you know, little light touch, little light touch. Pair that with food. Touch food, touch food, touch food, touch food, touch food. Little by little, we add pressure to the touch. Touch a little harder, food, touch a little harder, food, touch a little harder, food, touch a little harder, food. And until we can touch the dog all over the body with a lot of pressure, then the next step 
is decrease the pressure, but hold longer. Absolutely. And build up that duration and then do it again with adding pressure. Yeah. All counter conditioning and desensitization is a very gradual and systematic process that's very slow. You start off with the lightest touch. Again, anytime you're doing these exercises for counter conditioning and desensitization, the level, whether it's volume of baby crying, whether it's volume of thunderstorms, whether it's desensitizing touch, you are doing that at a very, very, very low level, pairing it with high value yeah. food words. Your dog cannot be nervous. If you're touching your dog and the dog's nervous, you have put too much pressure on too soon. Your dog's not viewing lighter pressure as something wonderful. Yeah. And when your dog understands that game, oh, when you touch me, I get food. Right. Then it starts to go a little quicker. Yeah. But yeah. we're teaching that game and don't try to rush, rush yeah. that process. Absolutely. Absolutely. So I wanted, I want to say just a couple things because we are about to wrap things up here shortly. Um, firstly, Kat, again, Yes, this is what we love to do. We do this because it is our labor of love. And so please hit that like button, yeah. hit that share button please. for us, okay? And then do us a favor, send us an email <laughs> at info at pettalktoday.com with your ideas yeah. for what you think we should talk about. Because guys, here's the thing. This is your show. Here's the thing. Let me, let me tell you something. Will and I... <laughs> The things that we like can be pretty boring. <laughs> we will spend hours. Yeah, we're and dog hours. training nerds. So. Yeah, so we will spend hours just reading these long peer-reviewed articles studies. on these studies that just have all these statistics. So we want to know what you guys want to talk about. But additionally, what I want to address: those of you who are still having issues with fireworks, next week we are going to be covering something very important mm. that I think may be beneficial for you. And yeah. that is next week's show. Yeah. We are going to be devoting the whole show to behavior medicine. Is it, yeah. a, is it, are, is Prozac ridiculous for dogs? Is there a situation where it's warranted? Yeah. Um, we're going to be talking about pros and cons of behavior yeah. medicine. Uh, what dogs should get them, what dogs shouldn't get them. Absolutely. Um, In fact, we're going to have a guest on the show who, was just like many of you very hesitant about my recommendation for medication for her dog. Yeah. And, very hesitant. And she's going to be talking about the difference that that medication has made in her and her dog's life. And I think that this question that we just got is a fantastic way for us to end the show. Okay. So Tyler, once again, and I, I forgot where you're from, Tyler. I'm so sorry. <laughs> but Tyler, he says, my dogs deemed my wife as their favorite human because she spends the most time with them, walks them, and feeds them, so they are always with her. She is nervous that they are going to continue the clingy behaviors when the baby comes. How do I help her? Change the association. Absolutely. All right. She needs to start giving the dog the cold shoulder. Exactly, and you, Tyler, need to start taking some things over. Start showing the dogs that... You can be their source of fun, love, and attention, and you need to start now. You need to start as soon as possible. Start showing them that when they are freaked out, that they can get reassurance from elsewhere, whether that is you or a safe zone. I love turning a place cot. Let me tell you guys, this is actually something that I completely forgot about until right now. If you turn that place cot into a safe zone, Fight or flight is our survival reflex. If your dog feels like they cannot flee, they will fight. 
So what I do with my place cot and what I have all of my clients that have aggression and anxiety with the place cot or with their dogs, if your dog is on that place cot, you don't pet them. You don't interact with them. If you want to interact with your dog, you call them off of the place cot and then make your children and the other dogs, the other animals do the same thing. And what happens is the place cot turns into a safety zone where nothing can bother them. I have watched as I've been working with my clients, dogs that have anxiety, and I was working with this dog that has fear of strangers. And I was, oop, I was pushing the limit just a little bit with her, trying to help her work through some of her fears, and I accidentally dropped the leash. As soon as I dropped the leash, leash she took off, got on the place cot, gave this big old shake off, and then just Which relaxed. is a calming signal. Exactly. Yeah. And it's because the place cot has turned into a safe zone You know, for her. you talked about not interacting with the dog on place. Yeah. And one of the last things I want to say. Yeah because it's been taught forever and it's wrong. It was been taught that when you meet a dog, hold your hand out for them to sniff yeah. you. No, no, do wrong. not bring your hand out for a dog to sniff you. You are getting in that dog's personal space. The dog might have a space issue. Many people get bit because of that. Yeah. Ignore the dog, let the dog rule. come up to you. Yep. Let the dog make that um, initial contact. Absolutely. Okay? Well, that sound means that we are well overdue well, out of time. Well yes, we time. went a little bit late today, but it's been a great show. Um, please share this with uh, your Facebook page so more people can benefit from it. Um, train, work really, really hard, okay? Um, we're going to be out of here in just yeah. two seconds. Out, folks. Have a great week, everybody. <laughs>